If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. When Tazzy and I were starting this podcast, we wanted to have more of a purpose than just telling true crime stories. That's why we are so excited to announce that we are now offering ad space for exclusively black female-owned small businesses. If you have a small business, come on over and have some ad space with us. We are so excited about our first sponsor for Sisters Who Kill podcast, so make sure you listen to the podcast, hear your discount code, and check out that business to support another black woman. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. We are back for another week. We are. This one's a little different. It's a distance episode. Right. Most of our cases have taken place in the southern United States because, well, that's where we're from. But today we're going to travel to South Dakota where love and jealousy put the first woman on trial for capital murder. let's get into our players first we have darlene vandergeesen she's 42 years old she is a heterosexual white woman we also have sally collins but on forensic files they said sally ford but sally collins and this is daphne's girlfriend she is also a white woman and then we have daphne wright who is 42 and this is our murderess Daphne is from South Dakota, and she is prelingually deaf, born to two hearing parents. So she was deaf before she developed language. She lived in a small community with her girlfriend, Sally Collins. Daphne loved Sally, but in that toxic kind of way, like she was really possessive and shit. Been there. They did not have a lot of money. That's how it always is. It's the broke Mm -hmm. niggas that's want to control you. They kind of live paycheck to paycheck. Daphne waited on her social security check every month to cover major expenses. Because of this, Daphne and Sally moved in with their friend, Jackie Chessmore. Right. So from what I could tell, Sally wasn't too sure about this whole move in with Daphne into Jackie's place because Jackie was going to rent them out a room. And for good reason. Like, Daphne has already been very outspoken in her jealousy she's gone on angry rant so is moving in the best option she made the bad decision like we all have in life and she ended up moving in with her anyways they lived in a close-knit deaf community in soy falls and this is of course in south dakota in that community there were a lot of deaf clubs there were a lot of deaf chat rooms hangout spots and so both Sally and Daphne were mingling and meeting new people in the community and they were making new friends and soon Sally found a new friend and her name was Darlene Vandergeesen. Darlene was born in 1963 and she was also 42 years old. She worked at JD's House of Trophies and was super involved in the deaf community. Her and Sally really hit it off and their relationship 
was platonic. I'm still skeptical, but they say it was platonic. <laughs> but we'll go and grab a coffee, go out to eat, chill, talk shit, whatever. But, you know, your best good girlfriend. Daphne and Sally were already having problems in our relationship. And the main source of that was money. They both relied on the disability checks. And it was putting a strain on their relationship. Soon, Sally moved into another apartment in a deaf housing in Sweet Falls. While Daphne remained at Jackie's house. Right, and Sally and Darlene were still friends. So Daphne was not a fan of this at all, okay? So she was jelly. In her fifis, okay? Deep in her fifis. <laughs> she would tell Sally, like, oh, why are you hanging out with her? Why are you chilling her when I'm not present? Like, and then she would go up to Darlene and be like, why are you trying to build a wedge between us? Like, stay away from her. She's mine. All that bullshit. Can't you see that you're creating problems? I mean, and it's the jealous ones. But here's the thing. Here's some tea that I heard. And if this tea is true, this just makes complete sense to me. Apparently, Daphne was Sally's first girlfriend. So she was straight before she met her. That makes a lot of sense. Now the whole story makes sense, right? Right. Because now it's just the predictable. She's just waiting. She's just waiting for you to go back straight and counting her days. Now you know what's about to happen. So one time in late January, Sally and Darlene were going out to eat. They were just at a restaurant chilling. Once again, very platonic, but. At this restaurant, Daphne shows up and she is not having it. She's pissed the fuck off. They're arguing with each other in this restaurant. They they cause an entire scene to the point where the restaurant has to call the police and get Daphne escorted out of there. What a mess. A mess. (laughs) February comes around and that means it's time to start thinking about Valentine's Day or whatever. So that's when the toxic ones love to, you know, get right. They'd be like, listen, this is why you keep me (laughs) just for these days. Right. So Daphne sends Darlene an email and she's like, hey, meet me at the local school pizza hut on February 1st. 2006 she's like let's clear the air and you know you can help me plan something real nice for sally for valentine's day you know Mm -hmm. because you're her best good judy so yeah no darlene agrees (laughs) and she puts herself together to go meet with daphne but this is the last time anyone saw darlene put together again Right, so two days pass and no one hears from Darlene. She missed two days of work, no call, no show. And this really concerned her boss because like we said before, she loved her job and she was very, very reliable. So her boss ends up calling her emergency contact, with his, which is her parent. Her mom and her dad comes. They have an extra key to her apartment. They check it out. They don't see anything. They're very suspicious. So they go ahead and they file a missing persons report. So they start their search for Darlene. Around this time, the Pizza Hut calls the police to report a truck that's been in their park parking lot for like two days they go and check it out and guess what it is darlene's truck inside of the truck they find darlene's purse her identification and most importantly her cell phone now remember she is also deaf so this means that that cell phone is super important it is her lifeline to the hearing world her parents are clearly concerned at this point she's not you know, moving in her normal ways. So they order a search of Darlene's computer. Now her emails were suspicious. Most of us learned internet safety in 2006, but many folks were unaware that they had a virtual footprint. Meaning when you logged online, they knew where you were at. (laughs) But I also think like in 2006, like that was peak LimeWire. Right. 
you know wasn't nobody thinking about a virtual footprint no. and I remember like after that and it was like listen we know it's you downloading illegally and it's like ah! <laughs> But right, right. But at 2006, you're definitely not thinking that some that the, the government mistakes. has the ability to hack your email. So the government has all this new technology and they can now get into your email and your IMs. And they see that she was getting threatening emails from a woman who said her name was Wendy. One of the emails said, Hello, Darlene. I want you stop visit deaf apartments. You are troublemaker. You are ugly and stupid. Bitch, I hate you. You are fat, so I hate you. It gives me very, dear Darla, I hate, <laughs> I hate your, your stinking, stinking guts. guts. You, you make, me, make vomit. me vomit. You are the scum beneath my toes. So it's clearly somebody that is not a fan of Darlene. And right. the email was actually sent 10 days before she disappeared. So the police are like, okay, so who the fuck is Wendy? Who's Wendy Smith? And Darlene's family and friends are like, look, we don't know no Wendy Smith. So based on the sentence structure, they knew that whoever did it was probably deaf or hearing impaired. So the way they know that if you hear how Mariah said it, it's kind of choppy. And it's because when you sign, you don't really use conjunctions and stuff like that. So like... If you wanted to say, is that a cat or a dog? You would sign cat, dog, which one? Being that she was pre-lingually deaf, she didn't understand the sentence structure mm. that it took to write in this sense, I guess. Right, I understand that. So that was a very good lead, but also while they were searching the computer, they found out that uh, Miss Darlene had a boyfriend named Jeff. So they're like, okay, bet. This is what we thought of in the first place because she was also telling her mom beforehand that she was, you know, meeting guys online. So they're like, all right, let's go find Jeff. And when the police go to Jeff's house, Jeff is nowhere to be found. He comes back a few days later and police finally get to question him. He's nervous and he seems pretty concerned about Darlene, even though, of course, he's nervous. He may talk to the cops and who's, who wouldn't be. And he agrees to let the cops search his car. They search his car and in the trunk, they find a red substance that seems to be blood. Today's episode is brought to you by Nazani Lingerie. This lingerie site is one that I absolutely love. Not only are the lingerie pieces absolutely affordable, they're cute, they're sexy, they're stylish, you're gonna look great no matter what. I'm like scrolling through the website right now and I see that the Icy Girl set, which is the set that I bought, is already sold out. So, so sorry for y'all. But this Vixen set, I think that's going to be my next purchase. So make sure that you go over to Nazani Lingerie and you can get 30% off with coupon code KILLAS. That's K-I-L-L-A-S to get 30% off Nazani Lingerie. The website and more information can be found in the description box wherever you're listening to your podcast. Make sure you support a black female-owned business. And now back to the show. The police, they have Jeff's car and they see the, you know, bloody substance or so they think. They take it in for testing and they find out it is blood, but blood of a deer, not of a human. So the police go back to the suspicious emails. They send a subpoena to the email provider. It was 2006, so it's probably like Yahoo, AIM, <laughs> AOL. One of those. <laughs> and IP address sends police to Jackie Chesmore's home where she was living. 
with Daphne Wright. So now they've narrowed it down to where the emails are coming from. And they asked Daphne to come down and have an interview with the detective. Daphne drives herself down on February 7th, 2006 to talk with Detective Michael Olson. She willingly goes down there. There is an interpreter present. At first, when they ask her about these emails, Daphne denies everything. She's like, look, I don't know what you're talking about. I never sent any threatening emails. I don't know a Wendy. Maybe it's a hacker. I don't know. Like, you know, computer hackers are real. Yeah, that's a thing. Right. (laughs) He's like, look, let me tell you what. I think that you did it. I think that you sent these emails. I have this technology, this new IP technology that tells me that the emails came from your computer at your house. And then her story starts to change. She's like, oh, those emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I sent them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wendy Smith, that's me. So then her story starts to change. (laughs) And she's like, oh, you know, I really don't. I really didn't like Darlene like that. You know what I'm saying? Her and Sally used to hang out. You know, Sally be lying. And he was asked her, he was like, do you think that they were cheating with each other on you? And she was like, yeah, I do. Because Sally be lying. The detective starts to ask Daphne about the day that Darlene went missing, February 1st. Once again, Daphne's like, look, I didn't see her. Yeah, I was supposed to meet up with her, but I didn't see her at all. You know, I ended up canceling. And then she says, yeah, well... I didn't have any gas, so I was kind of just a no-show. And then she says, yeah, I went, and I pulled up at the Pizza Hut. I saw her. We talked. We made up. But I didn't sit to eat because I ain't have no money. My check ain't coming. Who sits to eat at a Pizza Hut? Didn't Pizza Hut have, like, the sit-down? Was it Pizza Hut that had tried to do the CC's Pizza type of thing? One of them restaurants tried to do a CC's Pizza type of thing. Where, like, it was buffet style. Even if the option was there to sit down, why like the, it's Pizza why Hut? Did I? Like, no, Pizza Hut definitely did not have. Yes, a they did, style. bro. I think maybe you could have. There's no way you're telling me this is just like you can have it right now. You want Pizza Hut just, buffet? Maybe. Um, I just googled it, <laughs> and Google don't lie. Because I was like, why? Why a pizza hut? Like, not even a mellow mushroom? Mellow mushroom is expensive, and she couldn't afford pizza. She damn sure couldn't afford mellow mushroom. She couldn't even afford the pizza. So she says, says, like, I saw her, we talked. I didn't say to eat because I didn't have any money. I left before she did. And at this time, her social security check was still two days away. So she was like, I'm broke. My check ain't even coming. Right, she's like, I ain't even here. So finally, after about two hours at 12.54 p.m., Daphne stops the interview and finally asks for a lawyer. But instead of immediately leaving, she had to stay at the station because the whole time that she was being interviewed for roughly about two hours, they were working on getting a warrant. And this warrant was for them to search Daphne's car, her person, and her home. So they looked inside her car and inside of it, they found a receipt from a hardware store. And on the back bumper, it looked like there was a red substance that might be blood. They take the samples of it and they move into the house. In the house, police could smell fresh paint and cleaning supplies. When they go to the basement, they see that the floor is bare of furniture, but there's blue paint everywhere. And it's like fresh paint. It's still 
tacky and wet in some places mm. and it's very poorly done very splotchy you know growing up Mariah, my mom used to have both of us painting the walls and right <laughs> they used to be like a fun weekend at tazzy's house <laughs> painting and the basement she, walls this this would not have been okay it was very poorly done um very splotchy very bad but it covered what it needed to cover mm. and that alone. <laughs> right. So like, Only what it needed to cover. <laughs> only what it needed to cover. So the floors, it was like, maybe there was blood there, so she just painted over it. And then the walls, like the wall was painted, but only halfway. Half the stairs are painted. And then over in the corner, they saw a door. Now, this must have been some older house because apparently this little storage room in the basement used to be where they would house coal. However, it doesn't hold coal anymore because it's 2006. Um, we at least had indoor plumbing at that time, children. In Once they opened it, that entire door was painted blue and the entire floor inside of this very small room was painted blue. And once again, the paint was tacky. The paint was soft to the touch. It clearly was not done very long ago. You know what I'm saying? So then they see on the floor that there's like six very distinct parallel lines. The detectives kind of looked at each other like, damn, what is this? And they're like, you know, it kind of like chainsaw marks and then their light bulbs go off. Ding, ding, ding. Remember that receipt we picked up on her car? That's right. So the police go back to Ace. They talk to the store clerk. They show the clerk a lineup with Daphne's picture in it. And right away, he's like, oh, her. According to him, a deaf woman came in on February 3rd, 2006 and handed him a note that said tree cutting machine. He leads her to the chainsaw and she purchases the cheapest one. Now, if you realize the dates, Darlene went missing on the 1st, and two days later is when Daphne purchased the chainsaw. So here's the tea. Apparently what happened, this is the story. She pulls up at the Pizza Hut. She gets out of the car. She knocks homegirl upside the head. She gets her in the car, and then she gets her to the house. She ties a bag around her head, and she kills her, yeah? But here's the thing. Now you got 200 pounds of dead weight, because Darlene wasn't no little bitty itty. You know what I'm saying? She was a big girl. (laughs) So now you got 200 pounds of dead weight. So Daphne's like, what do I do? What do I do? Daphne can't do shit because she ain't got no money. So she waits for two days while Darlene's body is in that basement for her social security check to come so that she can go to Ace so that she can buy the cheapest chainsaw she can get. She also gets a bottle of like chainsaw lubricant or oil and then she chops her up, takes her out. So here's the thing for me, right? Before I do things, one of the first questions that I ask is, can I afford this? (laughs) All the time. Because like I'm living a broke bitch lifestyle, you guys. Like. We're not making a lot of money off the podcast. We do this for funsies. I always have to ask myself. And Tazzy, we're best friends. So I have definitely been like, sorry, friend, not going broke. Broke, can't afford it. (laughs) And even if I got it, it just don't fit into the budget. But she didn't have it. Murdering this woman did not fit into your budget, sis. Like, you thought that murder was free? (laughs) What? So... The police have a pretty good lead on this case, but they want to make sure that they put the nail in the coffin, you know, they want to really get her. They need a body. The trash at the apartment or the house had already been dumped into a landfill. So about 300 volunteers go to search the landfill. I wonder, are these really volunteers? Like 300 people said, hey, I'll search for a body. They're like police. They're police volunteers. So I think they're officers that volunteered to do this extra work is from 
what I, I understood. Like, who wants to do that? You also have to realize that it's South Dakota in February. It's fucking freezing. <laughs> yeah, who wants to do this? That's cold as shit. So it's 300 volunteers, and they go to the landfill, and they search, and they search, and they search. Five days later, they find a bloody piece of carpet, a bloodied American Sign Language sweatshirt, and a leg and lower torso of a female body. They take the sweatshirt and they test it for blood on the outside. The blood tested positive for Darlene, but the testing didn't stop there. They flipped that shirt inside out and tested the inside to see if there were like any other skin cells on there. And the shirt matched the DNA of Daphne Wright. So now they can positively put the victim and their suspect together. So this is only half of the body, right? Right. We only have lower torso and legs. But about 25 miles away, across the state border in Minnesota, the torso and upper half of Darlene's body was found on a service road in a ditch. Her severed head was found wrapped in plastic, and the plastic was tied around her neck with a piece of cord that matched cord found in Daphne's house. They found an entire spool of this cord like in her garage. Mm. After testing, they could tell that there was a huge blow to Darlene's head that left an incredibly deep dent in her head. So they couldn't even determine a pinpoint cause of death. They said that it was either asphyxiation, which is suffocation, blunt force trauma, or both. They take this case to trial and Daphne pleads not guilty. Prior to the trial, psychologist Dr. McKay Vernon conducted an evaluation of Daphne. Based on the testing, he determined that she had a reading ability of a third grader, a Bender-Gaslet assessment, which is like an IQ assessment that suggested the possibility of brain damage. Yet, her nonverbal IQ was 114 to 117, which they say is like on the low end of high. So so they have three counts that they're charging her with. Premeditated murder, aggravated murder, and felony murder. And they want to give her life without the possibility of parole. No, they want to give her the death penalty. And if she gets the death penalty, she would be the first woman in the state of South Dakota to be executed by the state. Now, I also want to tell you guys, like, third graders... They talk a lot. They seem grown. But technically, I don't know about the state of South Dakota, but like Georgia standards, since I'm teaching in the state of Georgia, third graders are still supposed to be learned. They're supposed to be advanced phonics, but they're still picking up on phonics. You know what I'm saying? It's still oh, a fundamental. God, I'm working with some fourth graders who still don't understand phonics. Right. So in third grade, it should be your last year learning phonics. That means you are still you are at the end of the earliest stages of learning language. And these are students, and this is for a student that has listened and developed and learned language in what we seem to be the traditional way. Not even taking into consideration the fact that Daphne had to learn language in a completely different way. Because of this, it was argued that Daphne needed certain things in court. She requested to have a CDI with her at all times. Now, she was able to have a CDI between her and her lawyer. Slow down, friend. What's a CDI? Glad that you asked. Forgot to... to- Keep me in check. 
So a CDI is a certified deaf interpreter. So there's CDIs and there's ASL interpreters, American Sign Language interpreters. You would think that they're the same, but they're actually a little bit different. So for someone to be a CDI, they are a native user of the American Sign Language. So born and raised using ASL. They're already a member of the deaf community and they already have a strong sense of what deaf culture is. They also go through a lot of certifications to become a CDI. ASL, you probably have immersed yourself in deaf culture and you probably, you have to take tests to make sure that you're certified and you can speak. But the main difference is that a CDI is a native speaker. So there's just some things that you can't Whereas ASL, you learned it just to learn it. Correct. And it may have been a reason that you learned it or, but a a CDI is somebody that is native. Now, according to this article that I'm reading that came out last year in May of 2020, um, it's by Betsy Payne, who is a language service coordinator. The times that it is appropriate to use a CDI are in life or death situations when people are fighting for their freedom in court, experiencing financial crisis, or use, uses atypical language if they're from another country or if they're a senior citizen. So these are sounding like a majority of circumstances that Daphne was under. However, the court said you can have a CDI to interpret between you and your lawyer, but between you and the rest of the court, you'll get two things. You'll get an ASL and everything that all the notes because there's you know an official note taker in the courtroom all those notes when she says them or when she types them up they will be projected on a screen for you to read and for everyone else to read so she's got closed caption but here's the thing she's reading on a third grade level how great help guys How? Because like, I'm I'm just thinking about my third graders and I, I feel like my students are pretty darn smart. They still, as my, my third graders still have to sound out complex or compound words. And if they even had to try to read a, a lawyer courtroom word, <laughs> there'd be absolutely no way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's a lot of lawyer jargon that goes on in a courtroom and I don't even all the way follow it. I pick up on like every fourth word and I'm like I can make sense of this sometimes you know what I mean exactly and also a lot of those words there aren't signs for yes um and so it doesn't translate this long 10 letter word I'm gonna have to sign it out and you guys are gonna keep going and then you're gonna put it on the board and I have to try and sit there and sound it out. I have no idea what it means. No one's really here to help me. They said that she could stop court anytime if she didn't understand. But how intimidating and embarrassing is that, that you have to constantly stop court so that you can understand what's going on? How is that fair for you to have to sit there and try to... Understand. That's literally all she has. She can't even sit... Like, you get the right to sit there through your trial and observe what's going on know what people defend are yourself to you. and she can barely understand what people are saying about her like how is that a fair trial how is she able to properly defend herself the jury is made up of 11 women and so you're thinking okay pretty diverse trial but so she was charged and found guilty for premeditated murder aggravated kidnapping and felony murder and so now that she has to go and figure out what her sentence is going to be she has the possibility of facing the death penalty making her the first woman ever executed by the state however the jury came back and they gave her a sentence of life without the possibility of parole did they tack on any extra years (laughs) they did not tack they did not pull it (laughs) they didn't pull an angela simpson and tack on any extra years but she goes and her lawyers appeal 
saying that this was absolutely 100% not a fair trial. And I personally 100% agree that it was absolutely not a fair trial. How is she going to be able to sit there and not able to fully understand what's going on? And then when she is asked for a CDI, and I guess like an ASL interpreter is still not a violation of her American Disability Act's, you know, her rights. But also you have to understand where she's coming from. Also, she tried to argue the trial was unfair because of the interpretation. She also tried to argue that she was not read her Miranda rights, therefore her initial interview should be thrown out. That initial interview where she says, oh, no, I didn't do it. Well, maybe I did it. Oh, well, I saw her. That that should be thrown out. Right. So the thing about that is they brought her in just to see had she heard. She wasn't a suspect when they brought her in. Right. And so you have to be doing a custodial interview for them to have to read you your Miranda rights. And what they're right. saying is... At the point, you weren't a suspect, so we didn't have to read you your Miranda rights. Now, whatever you decided to tell us then was your loss too bad. Oops, if he wasn't. So she had to actually be under arrest. And what she was saying was that, what they were saying was that you were not under arrest. However, she was like, well, I felt under arrest. And I feel I felt that. like I was, I couldn't leave. And if you guys look at the interview... I couldn't find it anywhere other than that Forensic Files episode. And it was only bits and pieces of of it. And I love seeing interviews and I feel like it gives me a full grasp of the story. But, you know, whatever. In that interview, she comes in and her back is against the far wall. The detective's back is against the door. And then the interpreter's back must also be against the door on the other wall you can't see the interpreter in the frame but like where the voice is coming from and you can tell by like where Daphne is looking so you're so far away from the door and you're being interrogated so harshly yeah you're gonna feel like you're under arrest and they say like and they can even lock the door so long as they tell you you're not allowed to leave and you're free to leave it doesn't matter how they make you feel it's the point that they said it so right and here's a life rule y'all if you're ever ever in an interview you need to ask for a lawyer you need to say in their correct order because let me tell you what Daphne don't ask did. Daphne got don't ask them Daphne was like uh do I need a lawyer? And the the detective was like, well, you know, we're just trying to figure things out. So if you don't have anything to be guilty of, then there's no reason you need a lawyer. Because she asked, y'all, I don't give a fuck if you don't even know why the fuck you dare. I need a lawyer present. And they have to stop the interview. They have to. You have the right to represent yourself, but you also have the right to counsel make sure you get that shit guilty not guilty i don't care what it is i don't care if you try not to seem guilty be like i'm black and i need a lawyer just for being in this damn building exactly are y'all gonna be looking stupid like tiffany moss go back and re- listen to that episode if you don't know what we're talking about so there were also some other things she complained about she said that she was not represented by a jury of her peers her trial was made up of white women yes there were 11 women on the trial but they were all white but they were all white Everybody was straight and no one was deaf. So my thing is, that's already wrong because you're putting a black person, I don't care if they're male or female, you're putting a black person on trial for killing a white woman. (laughs) Like, that's the white man's beloved treasure. Like, you dare not fuck with a white woman. So, and you're gonna have a jury of white women decide what happens. So, that first. It's like, I mean, first being black, then being a black woman, uh-huh. then being a black woman lesbian, uh-huh. and then being a black deaf lesbian woman. Like, how many intersections does she have? Right. She's going through a lot of traffic here. On that jury, 
no one represented even one of the well okay woman that's it out of four (laughs) and it's just like i would like to be judged by in deaf culture i don't understand it because i'm not in it but there is a culture of of being deaf and lesbian and black just like we understand trials and cases differently than other podcasts or even other juries because we know what it's like to be black women Mm -hmm. you know so we have an understanding of that culture that may in some cases some cases depending on the crime we don't but that may make it that may give us more empathy towards whatever situation the defendant is in or it may give us an insight on if this person should or should not be charged for their crime Daphne wasn't given that in court so she tried to argue this but it was all declined it said they said no girl sorry sis you got a fair trial you should be happy that you didn't get death she was like even if these individually weren't, you know, something wrong. Together, combined, it's gotta be something. They said no. They said no. And I feel like collectively, there is something that could have gotten her a retrial. Right. Now, I think maybe it's a reach individually. I mean, I don't feel so, but maybe they could argue. But I think collectively, she had enough to be like, listen. Here's the thing. When she did that argument about the jury, she only talked about the jury being white. She did not bring up the argument that uh, no one on the jury was deaf. And she sure as hell didn't bring up the argument that no one on the jury was of the LGBT community. And I feel like that would have... I wonder if that would have made a difference. I feel like it would have because it's South Dakota. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like they have a lot of black people there. Right. Shout out to South Dakota. If y'all, y'all black and live in South Dakota, y'all tweet us or some shit. <laughs> if there's not a lot of black people in South Dakota, the least they could have done was make sure that there were deaf people on the jury and especially make sure that there were LGBTQIA persons on that jury just to make sure that it was fair. Do I think that... Which shouldn't be hard, right? Because they moved to a deaf community. Exactly. Exactly. So pick somebody. <laughs> Personally, do I think the outcome would have been different? Mm, probably not do i think that she deserves to be in prison definitely sis but she is tech but she is supposed to be innocent until that gavel hits the podium and until she is proven guilty she should have been afforded every single right that she deserves as an american citizen however when you black and you're a woman and you commit such a heinous crime like she did they don't see it like that girl i listened to these two white women tell this story and they were so trash they said, first of all, they said that the courts went above and beyond to accommodate her. Which, first of all, that's the law. Are you mad that they attempted to give her a fair trial? Like, what are you saying? Then she follows this up by saying, and who do you think paid for it? Us and our tax dollars. I was like, what a shitty thing to say. She was like, yep. And she had a court appointed lawyer. So when you're wondering why those potholes aren't fixed, because we had to give her a fair trial. I was like, She didn't say exactly that, but that's the gist that I fucking got from it. And that is a trash white woman podcast. Like, it was a very, (laughs) it was very, um, MAGA podcast that we listened to about this episode. I literally... Let me tell you, and there's a lot more shit stopping your potholes from being fixed. That is the story of Daphne Antoinette, that's her middle name, Daphne Antoinette. Yes. Right. Let's go ahead and move on to... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it. But if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning, right? She was on the right track. I like that she set up a story, you know? She was emailing weeks in advance, okay? What she also should have been doing was budgeting. 
Planning for and her murder. Had her shit together. Right. So you had already sent out these emails and stuff. You should have had your money. To, if you needed to wait till the next month and get your shit together, you know, you're too pressed. You're too hot. Now, I'm going to have to see if she's a Scorpio. I was, I was going to, I think she's a Sagittarius. You think oh, so? Oh, yeah. She gives me, because- I couldn't find her birthday anywhere. And usually it's on Murderpedia, but I couldn't find it on there. She gives me very well. You're you're a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio. They love. She gives me very Sagittarius vibes. I just I know that feeling of being like, listen, if you're not gonna fix the problem, I'll fucking fix it myself. And that's where she was at with it. Like I done told you to leave my girl alone, and you're not listening. My girl's not listening at this point. She talked about she don't know what to do with me, and I can't lose her. Okay, so I'm just gonna have to get rid of you now. Through experience, I've learned that this does not work. <laughs> you end up just losing them and having a shitty situation. But you do. <laughs> I just felt I I felt her on that. It's not the right direction, but I feel you. But on track. I, I just did. feel like if I would have done it, like Daphne, girl, what was this cleanup? What was with yes. the pants? Girl, you just chainsawed somebody and you didn't wipe the wall. You didn't. Have you seen any scary movie ever? Like, girl, the the blood and guts is gonna go on the wall. Girl, it was there. How you, you know gonna it's cl- giving me? paint the floor and not paint the walls? First of all, clean. I'm sure that two bottles of bleach would have been cheap. Three bottles of be- bleach would have been cheaper than paint. Paint's not cheap. It's not. But you know what? It probably looked like that because paint is not cheap, and she could only afford one can. So it was only going to go on the spaces that needed it. Because when I tell it's giving me, you've opened up paint and you've clicked the spray paint and just here, there, literally just the spots that needed it. Go on our Instagram page and you'll see pictures of the crime scene. Like the paint is literally just like a blotch here, a blotch there. Like we didn't even mention uh, the house that she was living in. First of all, Jackie said that she saw her moving out the trash, which she testified in court because she wasn't finna just have her shit go down but also like you just fucked up my basement that i'm letting you live in which your broke ass can't afford your broke ass can't afford and you fucked it up and you made it a murder scene (laughs) where'd they do that at you fucking with my property value and everything okay i was gonna say friend i love you but like fucking up the fucking up the crib listen that's where i lay my head then you're gonna have to just you know how long you're gonna have to sage that place out to get it back right <laughs> like you gonna have to sell it you just gonna have to sell it <laughs> now you messing with my generational wealth yeah she really just had no business in the first place she she couldn't afford it she didn't know how to clean up it's giving me lazy it's giving me very lazy and daphne like i want a bat for you sis because I do feel like your trial was not as fair as it should be. However, like I said before, I don't think the outcome would have been any different. I do feel, however, that, you know, stand up for the fact that they they treated you incorrectly in that courtroom. Because there are so many cases of people, especially in the deaf community, that are not being treated correctly by the government officials. Check our yeah, TikTok. You guys have already seen, you've already seen this. You guys have seen the story on our TikTok about... Um, the deaf woman who was not treated correctly by the police officer after she was pulled over. And so there's direct violations of what it means to be an American with disabilities. And that shit shouldn't fly. And I will forever not stand for that. However, girl, 
I don't think your outcome, I don't think your trial would have been any different. But that's our case today, y'all. All right, Tazzy. So parole or no parole? <sighs> okay. I think because they fumbled it so much with the case, if they weren't going to retry it, then they should at least allow her a chance for parole. Like she got sentenced without parole, right? Correct. I think that she should at least have the option. And then I say, let's see how she did in jail. Because listen, baby girl was just hurt and she needs to do a little more living. And like, I'm just thinking, like, my first girlfriend wasn't the one that turned me out, but, like, it was my first girlfriend, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, I mean, Tazzy, you were there. You're my best friend. It's it's chaotic. Yeah. Chaotic is so many feelings. And it's like, okay, we're doing this, so I'm with you, because I didn't do this for nothing, okay? Right, right. But, like, just complete and utter bullshit. I I agree, though. Um, I do think because of the way that the case was done and honestly because based off of her iq as well i feel like there was still even though she was 46 there was a big hit of immaturity and who just Mm -hmm. daphne was as a person i feel like that wasn't taken into consideration by the jury pool at all Mm -hmm. and that's the only reason where i feel like maybe she should have that possibility at life but that was 2006 so she's in what late 50s early 60s right now honestly i see her i see daphne working either like in the library or in the garden and i just hope that the prison system is suited and has the resources that it needs for their deaf inmates like the co's aren't learning sign how are they making sure that they're able to communicate what accommodations are you putting in there for them I was watching this small documentary and this girl was like, I just know my routine every day. I know the time and I know when things happen. That half the CEOs don't even know that I'm deaf. I, they just, the only reason they know is because there's like a sign outside of the door, outside of their cell door that says like, this is a deaf inmate. Other than that, they really don't know and they don't communicate with her because she just knows that schedule. Um, It wasn't Daphne, but it was a documentary on what it's like to be deaf in the prison correction system. And... I think on top of that, the COs are really just like, they're low-key conformed to not give a fuck about the prisoners. Yeah, they're really, I just... I had a friend who turned a CO, and she was just like, yeah, you can't do anything nice for them because they, you know, you just got to treat them like whatever because they'll take advantage of you and you just... And I guess it's like a, if I'm too nice, you're going to fuck me over, but like... It's a definitely power struggle that shouldn't be there, like, but it's a right. it's a power high that they get on being there. All right, y'all. Well, that's our episode. So this is usually the time where we read your reviews, but today we're just going to give a big middle finger to Apple Podcasts because as many of you brought to our attention, Apple has been fucking up. And they're not fucking up with us right now. Somebody hopped on tiktok it was like please read my review and i went over to read it and i couldn't see shit because apple for whatever reason has put this border cloud of whatever over our podcast and y'all can't access it we can't look at nothing on it it's just stuck so fuck apple and there was your review. right 
And I promise, girl, like, we were really trying to <laughs> to read your review. We were like, okay, where is it? And we could not find it. So shout out to everybody that tried to write a review. Fuck you, Apple. Shout out to everybody that also was like, hey, I'm trying to subscribe, but I can't. So shout out to y'all for trying to get to us. I hope that you found us. Hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be back on Apple. And maybe they'll kick us Hopefully. off again for cussing their asses the fuck out. Because I'm just really <laughs> over it. Like, we're out here trying to do good work. Also, I just want to give you a fuck you to the reviews that I did see that we're talking about um clean it up <laughs> no i'm sitting here with my homegirl and we talking about crime so if i want to cuss i'm gonna cuss and that's just what it's gonna be and the other lady i don't know who the fuck you were and i'm not gonna say your name because i don't know it because i can't see the reviews that said that it sounds homegrown guess what bitch i'm in my own closet and my friend is usually in the closet with me but today she's across the motherfucking country this is homegrown that's because because ain't nobody putting money into black podcasters doing a true crime podcast that highlights black women but guess what we are and we're doing it for free so if you guys don't fucking like it, we don't give a fuck. Don't listen to it. There's plenty of people that do like it. And for those of you that do like it, y'all can go on and y'all can donate to the podcast in any way that you feel and show us that you love us because we are just doing this for a free 99. We're giving it to you for free 99 and we want to make sure that we can keep it that way. Also, make sure that you are shout that you are giving love to our black business that is sponsoring the segment. You can find all of her information in the bio if anybody wants to sponsor a segment all you black owned businesses we're looking for the the black female owned small businesses those are the ones that we want we have very cheap ad space that we're giving away because these big businesses don't want to invest in us just like big businesses don't give a fuck about small black owned businesses and we're gonna make sure that we all eat okay you heard me all right now if you want to keep up with sisters who kill podcasts you can find us on a multitude of places where can they find us friend Cool. Okay. You can find us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Sisters Who Kill. You can email us, Sisters Who Kill Podcast at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook discussion group. We're in there. Talk to us. We talk back. Um, If you hit us up on literally any of these devices, we'll probably get back to you because we're obsessing just like y'all. Like, hey, they like us. <laughs> Like, for they're oh, our friends. They love us. We're not just speaking into a void. No, we really fuck with y'all. So thank y'all so much. Thank y'all so much for another episode. And we'll see you next week.